We all know the healing powers of superfoods, things like mushrooms and spices and herbs. But have you ever been confused or caught yourself wondering which ones would be the best for your individual health goals? On today's episode, we're going to address this very question. Join myself and Dr. Chris Motley as we simplify powerful superfoods so that you can maximize your health potential. Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Ancient Health Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us. And today I'm really excited. We're going to cover a topic that I believe is going to give you so much clarity in how you pick the foods that you're putting on your plate and also the herbs and the different tinctures and supplements that you might be including in your regimen today. So I am joined by Dr. Chris Motley. Welcome, welcome. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to be doing this today. And one of the questions that I really felt resonated and I wanted to make sure we covered is the topic of understanding how different superfoods, we hear about superfoods all the time and how they're so nutrient dense. But what I want to focus on is understanding the application part of that. So how do we know which superfoods are appropriate for our bodies and which superfoods are going to generate the biggest outcome when it comes to our health goals? Or maybe it's even just a condition that we're experiencing, but we know that there's so many options that are out there. So it's hard to understand, you know, which ones really apply to me. So we're going to dive right into the meat and potatoes of this episode, because I think it's going to be packed with tons of applicable information that will hopefully trim out some areas that may be confusing to some people, but ultimately illuminate the things that you can use on a day-to-day. So Dr. Motley, I'll let you jump in and, uh, and get us started. Well, definitely. I think that the bio-individuality of each person out there, depending like on the last podcast talking about your element or your body type or what kind of metabolism you may have, when you try to find a superfood and we define a superfood as many individuals say doing a green juice or using kale or using spinach or using beets, different natural unprocessed forms of nutrients in foods form. So Anytime I have an individual in the office and they want to find out what's best for their conditions, for instance, if they have something that had to do with their thyroid, you would automatically assume that that person may have issues with iodine uptake, for instance. So you would then sort of focus on something that would have iodine within it, such as seaweed or kelp or a sea vegetable, because a lot of the salts that are in the sea. Now, the bioindividuality aspect of it makes it very unique to you. And I don't say it's a problem, but when you're trying to find out what's good for you, A, many times with my patients, I have them do like a spectra cell. Like I'll have them go get their blood drawn and find out which nutrients are really deficient within their, their cells themselves. And then sometimes I find out which foods they're allergic to or they're sensitive to. And that may seem like a lot of process and steps because many times, you know, as well as I do, when people go out there and say, I've been eating this superfood and this, but when I eat it, it makes me blow it up and I don't feel very good. And that happens a lot. And that's okay. It just means that maybe that superfood may have some nutrients that may not be very good for your particular body type or element. Now, that's not trying to get complicated or make it sound scary about picking superfoods. 
All I'm saying is that when I have individuals ask me, I do try to find out what condition they have and what you're particularly dealing with. Find the nutrient that would feed the organ that's the most efficient in your particular condition. And then I go from there. So with superfoods, I'm very cautious. Um, many times, like I like kale um, when it's cooked right, but particularly with my food sensitivity test, I can't do kale. Um, I can do some small forms of like spinach and a few other greens, but I can't do that one. It's okay. But because some superfoods, for instance, kale or spinach has like sulfur in it. You may have the genetic body type that does not break down sulfur very well. So when you eat spinach or kale, you may not feel the greatest, but you still need nutrients like in other forms. So you may want to find a superfood that has similar benefits as kale, but not as much sulfur. So I hope that makes a little bit of sense. I hope it wasn't too complicated, but bioindividuality is very important. You have to start to understand yourself. Yeah. You know, and you bring up a really good point too, because initially when I was thinking superfoods, you know, you can think of like all of the packaged powders, the stuff you see in, you know, a, a health grocer or a natural food store where you go in and there's all these different kinds of superfoods, like they could just be individual or they could be blends. So they could be camu camu berry or spirulina, mm -hmm. um, matcha, like all of these different things that you would consider to be really, really nutrient dense. They have a high level of, you know, amino acids or phytonutrients, and then they're, they're dehydrated and put into a powder form. So there's so much of a, somewhat of a process, um, uh, element there, but you're not necessarily thinking of it as a superfood in its whole food form, like spinach and kale. So I think it's so interesting, you know, that we're starting there because those are superfoods. So maybe we even need to identify, you know, superfood probably has somewhat has a little bit of uh, like a fad, uh, title to it because, you know, anything could be a superfood. It could just be an orange or, you know, something that's just produce related, or it could be something that's packaged, right. And labeled as a superfood because it's an extract or an isolated component of one of those foods. At the end of the day, we're still talking about whole foods, but a lot of times the way that we're, that they're packaged and presented to us can be confusing. Uh, at least, I mean, even in my own mind, I was thinking superfoods and I'm like, gosh, all of those little things that I'm so initially, like I get so excited about because I think, oh, this has got to be really, really good. It has, yes. it has 18 different ingredients in it. So maybe even define for us what a superfood really is. Is it, is it just the stuff we're, that's in our grocery stores? What, what does that look like for you? For me though, superfood is a definition. Are foods that have high amounts of particular vitamins or minerals within the unprocessed form. So if you said something like, if we found uh, like, again, sea vegetables or kelp, well, it's a superfood because it can be broken down and there's high amounts of iodine within it. Or if you go into kelp and you'll find that certain types of kelp have, well, one form of kelp has high amounts of vitamin K and they have vitamin C within them. So a superfood is basically something that comes out of nature and you can break it down. Like you said, you can grind it up and it has most of the minerals and vitamins that you need, like from a multivitamin. But usually there is one vitamin, one mineral that's very high in excess for that particular plant source or that particular mineral source, like vitamin C from an orange. So when we talk about superfoods, it's identifying a natural source and it's very high in one or two or a few particular vitamins and minerals. And when they say superfood, 
we're saying that we take that and we replace that in, let's say, a synthetic form of a vitamin. So if you don't get your daily nutrients, a superfood is something you take to restore that natural high amount of vitamins and nutrients you don't get in everyday uh, diets. So that's my definition of a superfood. Anything that I can recommend to a patient without having them take a, uh, basically a vitamin or a mineral pill or capsule. Like these are the foods you can take. And on another note, I love what you just said about like nowadays when we have so many different types of powders and we have different types of superfood drinks and minerals. The thing is we have like if we had a superfood source, let's say like if you just had ground up spinach or ground up um, uh, Siberian uh, lettuce. I mean, seriously, those are good sources of greens. If you add a ton of vitamins and minerals, the problem is that you or me may not need all those particular vitamins and minerals. So what I'll find is that if somebody uses a powder and they're like, well, it's going pretty good. I feel pretty good. But now I'm starting to feel like my body's slowing down and I'm detoxifying too fast. I'm like, well, it's probably because they added too many vitamin Bs in there and they added a few. Because you look at a lot of them, they'll have every single nutrient you can think of. And, and in our culture, we think more is better. But in Chinese medicine, the real thought is you have to have, if you have less is more. Like if you get the right ratios that helps increase the energy in the body, you'll, you'll flourish. But that's superfoods in a nutshell. That's, I love how you just define that. And I love that you even took it a step further in really how traditional Chinese medicine views superfoods, because we are in a culture that really thinks that, well, the more we can pack in, the better. So if we can just create one mega product that has, you know, everything in it, it has, you know, algae and it has all of the nutrients of, you know, dried sea vegetables. And then you add in all the fruits and vegetable extracts and wheatgrass and spirulina, all of these things that it's just got to be like the silver bullet for health. But like you said before, most people that are somewhat compromised in their health, taking one supplement like that is, I mean, it could be your kryptonite because there's so many different things. Your body likely doesn't have the enzymes necessary to be able to break it down, absorb it and utilize those nutrients well. And there's probably something in there that may be offensive to your body. Like it's, it's not an inherently bad food or a compound, but because you're inflamed or you have leaky gut, your body is now reactive to this particular food. So now every time you're ingesting this whole combination, you know, I'm thinking like the, the, the different powders that you could add to smoothies and things like that. I've bought so many of them and, they, and a lot of them taste really good. And there's probably a ton of health benefit to them. But I realized in working with clients, particularly people that were trying to overcome certain autoimmune disorders or any type of any, any inflammation that's in the gut, there's going to be something that's a trigger. So now all of a sudden, every time you're having that powder, it's now triggering an immune response and there's more inflammation. So it's just fuel to the fire essentially. So I love. That's a great point. That's good. Really? Because when you say fuel to the fire with a leaky gut, I've got to take that and put that in my notes because that is the honest truth. Like when we think about somebody that had like an autoimmune issue, if they had, you know, if they had lupus or if they had Hashimoto's, if they had RA, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, the plan is like you can find that condition. And we know if they have autoimmune that they're actually attacking their own tissue. So my way of thinking is anybody out there that has this condition, what would you eat? What superfood would you look into? So I'd automatically think like berries because that's a lot of antioxidants. So we can say raspberries or blueberries or blackberries to help with that. 
But also, too, if, if autoimmune comes up, there probably is infection within the tissue. Like Hashimoto's is very highly related to Epstein-Barr virus. So then I would take another superfood. I would say, well, you know, lemon, thing that has antiseptic qualities to it. You can add some different, you know, lemon water and have that in your diet as well, or add lemon zest to what you're eating or taking oregano spices and using oregano on your food to help kill off an infection. And you're right. When you take one ingredient, and we're talking about, and you put it in the body, your body looks at it like, I mean, like when you're looking after your kids, right, Courtney, you're like this, you go, well, if I have, if I have one kid to watch today, that's not too bad. <laughs> Same with food. You eat food with like one or two or three particular ingredients, you know, or, or sources, your body goes, I'll take that and I'll work with it. But if you throw a lot of foods, a lot of vitamins and minerals, which are good, but your body's not, like you just said, has the enzymes or the energy the energetic capability to tear them apart and utilize them, it's like throwing a ton of things at you. And you're like, whoa, I got a lot to do to help with this condition. So I always say, keep it really simple. And so sometimes now when patients bring in something, I know when the clients bring in something to you and your patients look at you and go, what about this? And I need to talk to them about that. You're right. Leaky gut, inflammation in the gut. If they already have that or liver issues, they may not be able to utilize all the B vitamins or all the C vitamins. So it's really a good thing we're talking about the superfoods need to be handled just as cautiously like you know you need to learn more about yourself and find out like oh what is my true deficiencies what are the foods that can supply antioxidants what are the foods that can give me good essential fatty acids and uh good forms of carbs or starches so you're right i need to look more into talking about leaky gut in this so that was a good point i, I think that this brings up a really natural next question if somebody is say that they're they're just trying to figure this out on their own. So they're not doing the spectra cell, like a micronutrient panel or a food sensitivity test or something like that. Where should somebody start if they want to improve their health? So, and, and maybe they start with their condition like that. And it's not even that it needs to be a label, but if you, if you know that you currently have something, some type of imbalance in the body, maybe you start there, but I'll let you speak to this. And in terms of how can you evaluate the body's feedback just with what you have and what you know, you know, without maybe looking into further lab testing? I think that's a great next step, but I'll let you, you know, maybe outline that for people so that they can understand. Cause it, you know, the other, the other side is that you want to be able to incorporate these foods, but then you also don't want to be fearful and you don't want to think, well, you know, I can't, I think so many diets become so restrictive you know, it's like, well, I can't do dairy and, you know, I don't do gluten and I don't do lectins and, um, I don't do nightshades and I don't, and all of a sudden I'm, you know, what are you left with? You know, you're left with a handful of foods and, and now we're not, you know, the, the gut bacteria and fibers and things like that, that we're exposed to are so minimized that they, they do over time, they'll start to compromise your metabolism and your gut. So Anyway, I'm going to leave that question because I just keep, I keep building I it up. This is good. This is what we want to hear. I think that when you find that, like you just said, that you have a limited amount of things you can already eat, and where would I actually start? Well, I always have a couple of rules for myself and I tell my patients. Always observe how you sleep, your sleep patterns. Observe how you poop, like if you have regular bowel movements. Any inflammatory reactions on your skin. If you have normal swelling or if you have any type of eczema on your skin, Take note of that. And also look at your nail ridges around your nails, if they're inflamed or puffed up. If you have swelling or if you have rashes, if you have that, then you know that your body's probably congested with, with toxicities in the liver and in the bowels. 
So that's the number one thing I tell people. So when you start to use a superfood, I always say keep it very simple because I know people can I'm not eating the dairy, I'm not eating this. I always start off with like good antioxidants. So I hope this is like their round. I always say start off good antioxidants and find the berries that would work for you. For instance, I can't do strawberries. I love them, but I can't do them. So I always say find a blueberry or a blackberry or a strawberry, even a chase berry. Like sometimes they have different types of um, berries that can actually provide high amounts of antioxidants. And then I go into finding, like you say, a, a good green juice that's very low sugar. Many green juices out there have high amounts of sugar and you're not careful. So I always start with that. If the green juice, again, makes you swollen or bloated, then you may check if there's any kale in it or spinach that may not agree with you. So I say antioxidants and a good green juice. That's where I start off the ball with superfoods. And then when we say get your diet in order, especially when you have a condition. So I start off with these. I have a condition. These are general that I do. I don't care what really what condition just yet. You need high amounts of antioxidants and good greens in your diet to help you detoxify. And then I always say you have to start to pick up a good quality protein. I know we're talking about superfoods, but you're going to have to have a certain kind of protein, whether it be like a grass-fed beef or if you're a vegetarian, a good plant source, uh, whether it's certain types of beans or even bison, fish, and then complex carbs like yams, sweet potatoes, yucca roots, something of that sort, and then essential fatty acids. So you've got your carb, you got your protein, and you get your essential fatty acids. And some, this is a tricky one, guys. So anybody out there listening, it's like, because everybody has, like you just said, if you have leaky gut or you can't eat food well, well, if you burp up an oil, if you taste it or you take fish oils or take flaxseed oil or olive oil and put it on your food and eat it, which I do a lot, grapeseed oil, those are superfoods. If you do put them on there and you ever feel like you burp or you taste it, your body's not digesting. Your body's pushing it back up. So you find the one that your body will stay in the gut and process. Now, you're right. What happens, oh girl? This is what I'm saying. What happens when we eat them and they still make us feel bad? Like that's what can happen because you have a condition that doesn't allow you to eat other food. Then, girl, that's what I do. I start to incorporate the spices and the herbs that start to not normally go after infections. Because I suspect when you and I can't eat foods and we're like, I can't eat a lectin, I can't eat any of this because my stomach, I go, okay, lightly start to season your foods with like we talk about oregano rosemary, even star anise that you find in Chinese uh, cooking. You can grind that up and put it on there. That's very good. You can actually put a uh, shaved up olive leaf on there. Olive leaf will do it too. Now there's different types of um, spices and herbs that kill off a lot of infections, but those are the main ones that are usually used for like cooking, you know, across the board. So whenever I get to a point where I add in superfoods, and I notice the little signs and symptoms start to reduce on their own. I'm like, I got the right food combo. I'm starting to get a good comp food combo. If it doesn't help, I then go in and try to add in some herbs and spices to my meal and see if those spices start to kill the infections. And that can start to help as well. But that's where if anybody, if you don't go get a test, remember sleep. And when I say sleep, it should help you sleep throughout the night whenever you change your diet. It should help you poop better. And so if you're not getting this and it makes those things worse, you got to try to finagle your food and try to find that happy medium though. Yeah. Do you find with your patients that you ever see certain superfoods um, that, that people become reactive to? Like, are there certain ones that you're like, yeah, these are great, but you know, 
for most people, if they're going to try something, this isn't where I would maybe start because they're more likely, you know, whether it's like bell peppers or, you know, tomatoes, like those nightshades, or there are certain foods, produce, superfoods that you would say, you know, this isn't necessarily where I would start. I know you said a green, uh, a green juice, which yeah. is great. And so, but are, are there any that you would just advise somebody that is experiencing symptoms of imbalance that you would say, these are the ones I would not start with. I would, I would bring these in, you know, later in small amounts and see how you tolerate them, but they generally are going to exacerbate a problem where I've seen a lot of people with a compromised gut where this has actually made things a little bit worse in the short term. Yes. And you just hit it nail on the head. I mean, Jordan's guys, it's like literally when you said nightshades, the, the thing is, this is where we get into nerd talk, but really quickly with a nightshade, if you take a green pepper or you take a tomato, which are supposed to be good or an eggplant, or the thing is when it gets into the body, some people overreact to them because they have uh, tons of a protein called solanine in it. And solanine is what's in nightshades. And what solanine is naturally in the plant is a pesticide. So you ever see like a, a green tomato, a green pepper that turns yellow and then turns red. Well, if you eat it while it's red or yellow, it's, it may not have a lot of the solanine because the solanine is what gives it the green color. So people eat these superfoods and they get it and the solanine does exactly what it's supposed to be. It's a pesticide. It kills off and wards off pests in nature. But the problem is they say it gets into the joints. So solanine will float around your blood. And so they call it Irish, the Irish legs. They, back in the blight when, you know, because potatoes turn green if they're left long enough. And that solanine will build up in the blood. And then we get into the joints and cause arthritis. So sometimes solanine can get into your joints or get into your organs and it makes you feel bad. It's a natural food. It, it's, there's a small amount of solanine in blueberries as well. So some people have reactions to them and it may not be necessarily the food, it's that little protein. And when we talk about nightshades, so I, I'm like you, I'm like, if we're doing it, don't do any nightshades right now. And I've literally seen people that have gotten 90% better from their problems just by stopping eating white potato or you stop eating tomatoes or salsa. People are addicted to salsa. And I love salsa too. That and I would have to say that, okay, any, we talk about superfoods here, you know, like when you have these, uh, the green mixes that have a lot of different types of grasses. Now I'm not saying just wheat grass. I'm saying a lot of those, um, green mixes have a lot of in nature grass species. And a lot of people are allergic to grass species. So you'll see people that come in and I have mixes and they'll show up as in my, uh, like sensitivity reactions in their acupuncture system. And you'll find it and you're like, oh my word. Their lungs are inflamed from the acupuncture system and their large intestine. Do some cross-checking. I found out they have grass allergens. Then I'm like, so I use one called Wild Green Supreme. I'm not pushing them. I'm just saying, but one of them has like, they don't use any like grasses in their green. So I'm always saying nightshades or anything with a lot of grass type ingredients. Wait, because you may have an allergic response to them early. As you start to heal, you probably could take it later. Yeah, that's a that I'm so glad you bring that up too. And again, like these things are not, you know, they, they shouldn't be feared. They shouldn't be anything that you feel like, well, I can never have them because sometimes people start to experience some healing and they start to feel better and they think, oh, well, it's the potatoes and the bell peppers. Like I can never do those again because I remember I felt terrible when I had them before. But as your body begins to heal, now you have a different terrain that you're working with. So those foods are going to be absorbed and broken down 
way differently now that your body has a really, you know, a healed set of equipment to work with, as opposed to having things that are very disjointed and broken down and you're eating those foods. And now, you know, it's just not moving through your digestive process as well. It's creating inflammation. And there's just a lot of symptoms and byproducts like bloating and just discomfort, and it can disrupt your sleep pattern. So there's, there is kind of a, a, a very delicate way in going about food removal and then reintroduction because you do want to have diversity within your diet, but you also don't, you don't want to over, uh, burden your body as it's in a healing phase. So I think that's a really, I'm glad that you brought out the grasses. That wasn't even something that I was aware of. I, I love wheatgrass and barley grass and all the, you know, greens. I, do yeah. too. I love them. I mean, I'm like, I just like sometimes in the office though, I mean, the reality is out like these are great. These are going to supply with tons of nutrients, like great minerals for your body. And then they, te- they don't test very well for them. I'm like, but like you just said, they heal after about six months and they come back and they're like, oh, you can take this all day now. And yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very surprised about like when you just said like, that's a great analogy. Like whenever you get so tired when you're in the detox phase, I always think it's like, I hate to say this, but you know, when you work out really, really heavy or have really hard days and I, you come home and you're so tired and maybe none of you guys are out there like this, but you get on the couch or something, you sit down, and you're like, I'm so tired. I can't even take a shower. You're like, I don't even want to get, I don't even want to get, I'm too tired. I'm, that's what happens to your body. You get so tired. You're like, well, I, can, I need to get cleaned up. But, you know, your body's like, mm, you give me that. I'm not even going to use it. I'm too tired to even get up and utilize it. And and that's what happens when people start getting these reactions. The body internally in Chinese medicine have quite a bit. of. You have to think about um, the organs having blood flow, circulation, and electrical circulation. And if the internal environment's too tired, and I know people say, well, this is supposed to give me energy. I was like, Yes, anything that can add to the circulation or to the electrical activity will cause you to have alleviation of your symptoms. But if your body says, well, you pushed again, we have too much, and this thing is just too much for my system, I have to work harder now to assimilate all this, you're going to feel worse. So that is how we talk about balance. Like we talk about on this podcast, we're like talking about balance is key with these things. So um, whenever we, I, I always have people that bring in and I love them to death. They give me so many different products. Do you ever have people like, Courtney, what do you think about this product? And, and I, and I'm like, I, I hadn't even heard of it. And I love these stories. Like I had one patient that had, um, uh, different types of zeolite and I love these zeolite sprays and stuff. Don't get me wrong. So everybody out there, it's great. She had that and another superfood product and they, it did what it's supposed to do. And they were like, I feel like really been really having hormone problems. I've been like really cranky lately. Da, da, da. And then finally come to find out they're doing like seven sprays of this and two. And I was like, your body just had, you're too tired internally. You can't take it. But now after we did a couple other things for them, they're like, they can take it all day. So it's really about, like you said, like listening to the body, finding which ones are good for you, which superfoods. Yeah. And just being patient with your body too, because it does take a, a bit of a process as you gain some momentum. When you, when you really get on a, a path of healing, you kind of break the mold of constant breakdown because people live in that breakdown phase for years, you know, and a lot of times years can go by before people even realize there's a problem. So breakdown has been happening long before people were aware because the symptoms don't necessarily follow the breakdown right away. You know, there's, there's this adaptation ability within the body to upregulate, you know, certain hormones that can actually block pain. Like cortisol can be, it, it, it essentially is 
a pain reducing type of hormone because it's released. And so in a moment of fight or flight, you're not thinking about, you know, oh, I'm a little stiff and sore here because your body's geared towards, I need to be reactive. So a lot of it gets numbed out. Um, so I think like being patient, that's such a, it's, it's so hard because we want results and we want to be able to just buy a product that's going to work, but knowing that you can walk your body through these different stages and start incorporating different things and really see how they do benefit. Because I think that will shake out the things that really are meaningful to you and really things that maybe they're healthy, but they, they just don't have a lot of impact on your body. So I think that yes. yeah, that, that, you know, hopefully it is at least take some of the mental burden off because I mean, I am so guilty. I have so many different concoctions and I mean, everything from like herbals to, you know, loose leaf teas to like oral tinctures and, you know, capsules and powders and all this stuff. You would think that I had the healthiest body in the world because I have all of this stuff, but truthfully, I can't take the majority of it. You know, it's there for certain times, but it's not meant to be for every day. And, and a lot of it I've tried and I'm like, this just doesn't work for me. So, you know, there it is on my shelf and what I call my supplement graveyards. (laughs) It's all the four rooms are filled up with just supplements. And you're like, this is where I, this is the room I stay in though. (laughs) yeah it actually is really bad it takes up a lot of real estate in the kitchen so (laughs) between the essential oils you know and all the different little remedies of of sorts i'm definitely the house to come to if you feel like you need anything but (laughs) this is true this is true so okay let's let's maybe target this from the angle of um, more specific superfoods. Um, if we go into kind of the category of adaptogens and we look at individual herbals and we look at conditions. So something that, you know, a lot of people struggle with is that they have kind of a label or condition, whether it's a thyroid condition or a hormone condition, endometriosis or PCOS. Um, maybe they just have your regular cycles. Maybe they have imbalanced blood sugar whatever it is that they have, are there specific herbs? It could be mushrooms. It could be, um, it could be something as simple, you know, as like a root, like a ginger or turmeric. But if we classify some of these, if, if someone's listening and they think, you know, I have an autoimmune disorder, what are the best superfoods to really help, you know, an autoimmune condition? Definitely. I think that when you said you hit around the top of the head, we'll start like when you talked about like, adaptogens. And one thing that I think is a really great point that you made and everybody out there, it's super important that shit. I just got to reiterate is that when Courtney was talking about your body's adaptation capability, if you're going through hard times, your body is geared to adapt. So the thing is, is like, you're always trying to get your body to adapt to the conditions so you can try to fix it. However, like she just said, if you are adapting for so long, but don't add extra energy to the body, you'll just try your best just to adapt to the problem and never resolve it. So whenever you go to a point where you're like, if you take something that we're about to suggest to you and you start to feel better pretty quick, you know you're helping your body with the adaptation. You're helping your body break down that adaptation response and getting down to the root source. If you're taking a whole bunch of stuff and you're sort of staying in the same limbo, you may not be breaking through the adaptation. That's a very important point. She did, that was great. And we're talking about adaptogens and we're gonna talk about autoimmune. I'd say. 
good sources, I'd say, for adaptogens. Anytime you have any type of condition, let's start with autoimmune. We think that your body goes into fight or flight. So if you have a condition, let's put in an autoimmune like Hashimoto's. If there is any infection or toxicity in the thyroid, which sits in your throat, your body then attacks your own thyroid with your own antibodies. So then your, your thyroid condition, where basically the uh, thyroid output of hormone goes down. Now, whenever you want to adapt a gen, what you're trying to do is help your body with the fight or flight symptom. We're talking about certain herbals or spices that you can give yourself to actually build your adrenals. So when they say an adaptogen, it is actually an herbal or a plant that can mimic and actually fortify and build the actual organ. So an adaptogen can help you actually build your adrenals or build your thyroid or build your ovaries or testes. Those are adaptogens. That's why people do organ meats. That's why people use spleen or the beef heart or beef kidneys. Help you what? Build more tissue. But some of my favorites though, especially with autoimmune, I love Suma root. Suma is great. Suma will help build up your adrenals, your thyroid, and in women, the ovaries, and the intestines. Sumer. Do you hear bodybuilders use it all day? Because why? It builds their adrenal glands so you can keep pumping out adrenaline and cortisol. I love Tulsi, which is holy basil. Holy basil is a great adaptogen, I'm telling you, and it will give you anti-anxiety, all right? Ashwagandha is supposed to give you the strength of a horse, make you sleep like a baby. It's great for libido, for blood sugar. Now, it has a little bit of solanine in it. So if you take it and it gives you a little problem, you may want to switch to Suma or holy basil. I like you, what you said, American ginseng. And ginseng will build those adrenals up and it's very antiseptic, antimicrobial. So I like American ginseng. I think it's one of the best. So I'm not going to go overboard, but those are four solid choices that I think is really good. Suma, holy basil, ashwagandha, and even some ginseng. Now, as, a re, as we, we, we gear towards autoimmune, the thing is, if autoimmunes happen for so long, what are the superfoods I would look into to help with this condition? With the Epstein-Barr virus, I would look at superfoods in the forms of different types of spices. That's what I would start. I would find a plant source, and I'm just going right at it. I'll go back into oregano. I think oregano um, spice, oregano oil, is probably one of the best things that you could probably use to start to fight off infections at a low, gentle rate. So anybody out there listening, I'm not saying you take oregano and put it on every single thing you eat from here on. You can't do that. You will over detoxify. But again, I've said it before, rosemary is really good for viral indications. Um, and whenever we have an autoimmune response, the other part of it is not just killing the infection, but it's also strengthening your lymph nodes and strengthening your immune system. Because you have to retrain your immune system. A, get rid of the infection out of the thyroid. So the body starts trying to uh, attack the thyroid where the infection's at. But also increase the strength of your immune system so it gets smarter so it doesn't do that anymore. And one way is to actually help with lymph flow. So I know this is all over the board. I hope it's not too um, too uh, complicated. But one of the best things I ever tell was a good superfood is mangista. Mangista is a spice slash, um, well, it's actually a spice slash herbal. It's like a cousin of turmeric. Now, it's um, rubia cordifolia. I think it's the name of it. It's the, uh, the scientific name. But what they've used it for in, our, in Ayurvedic medicine was that it's such a good lymph tonic. It's safe for people who are pregnant. That's what it shows with all the research. And it really is a, a lymph tonifier, which means it moves lymph and it gets all that congested lymph to flux. So if you have strep, Epstein-Barr virus, something congested in the lymph around the throat, I suggest mangista because it'll start to flush it in a nice, gentle way. So when we're talking about autoimmune, I always think that, A, oregano, maybe some rosemary, and even consider the mangista. 
Food-wise, I know this is a lot, but if people out there are going to ask, when you do that, remember, I think that if you have autoimmune and the body's already weakened to the state with the immune system, I always try to find natural sources that would increase and help vitamin D levels. So we're talking about broccoli. We're talking about anything that has like, uh, that will help with calcium uh, and uh, vitamin D level, um, uh, normal vitamin D levels. And there's certain forms of like, you know, you can actually get uh, certain almond drinks and you can get certain types of uh, new milks out there. You know, there's different types of oat milks. And there you got so many more that I don't even know about now. But usually I always try to find a natural source of vitamin D and vitamin A and vitamin K. So I find superfoods that have that. And usually when you find those, those are indeed greens. The greens have them. So you have to look into the greens, whether you guys are going to get like any type of spinach or asparagus. I mean, uh, you can't do asparagus, but I'm sorry. Um, oh, my goodness. It's the thing I love to eat the most. Arugula. Have arugula. You can do kale. You got to find something that would actually raise your vitamin D levels. And the reason why is because it's important to find one that has vitamin A and vitamin K. If your autoimmune is low, I mean, it's happening in your body, you want to make sure that you get those three nutrients in your body because then your cells can absorb the vitamin D. So that's a big thing. So remember, greens, guys. Find the one that works for you. Bravo, man. Wow, that's, that was so packed full of so, so much. It was great. No, I, I, I'm actually learning so much. Um, I don't, I've not heard of man, Mangista. Mangista. Oh, girl, and you, you talk about anxiety stuff. Try this. I'm just saying for you too. Like, yeah. Mangista and Albizia. Albizia is one. And okay. you can take those and you'll be super calm. You just be like, like wow. Okay. So my next natural question is, um, okay. In what forms would you suggest utilizing these, these herbs or root extracts? Um, obviously the, the, the whole food forms we, we understand, you know, as being whole food forms, but for Tulsi, ashwagandha, ginseng, those are all things that oftentimes I'll see in loose leaf teas, but I've also seen them in oral tinctures as well, where they're, um, you know, in like a, like a, an alcohol or some, they're emulsified in something where it's now in an oral, um, form. So what do you feel like has the highest level of absorption or bioavailability for some of these different options? I think you hit it right on the head for both of those. I think that people who enjoy, I always say this, take, if you can take your vitamins and nutrients in a form that's pleasant to you, You'll have more of the, the cognition to actually absorb better. It is. It's mind with matter. It really is. It's like, so I say, if you like a hot tea, do tea all day. I would do tea. Okay. If you're a person that's on the go, do the tincture. Like just, you know, get your drops in, 10 drops or something on the tongue, you know, swig with a little water, swish around your mouth, swallow it, go. So I think that there's a, there's a common rule I've heard. And I've seen it work with people with different infections. They say, if you took like, um, like the food source, like your normal food, if you ate it, or had it into a capsule with powder, your body still has to decompose it and digest it. And so that usually can get into your bloodstream around your body pretty easily. When you drink it like in a tea, or if you have tincture, they say that liquid forms, if they're already in liquid form, are very easier to get into the past the blood-brain barrier because you don't have to, it doesn't have to decompose to get through the, the, the tight knit of the arteries in your brain. It just yeah. gets right in there and it gets in your digestive system really well. So I always say liquids, really good because it'll affect the whole body plus the noggin, the head. Now, pills do help the brain. Don't get me wrong. But on the general rule, like it, they say liquids are really good for the brain and the, the pills and powders are good for the body. Um, so I'd say like I would do teas and I would do like tinctures. I do tinctures every morning. I just keep mine in my bathroom. Like I get up in the morning, have my water there and I just 
you know, go and do my thing. So is any one better than the other? Again, I, I know some people, do you know these people, Courtney, that like, they, I mean, I mean, I've tasted so many nasty tinctures uh, or in, and some people can just, they love taking a whole bunch of it and just, you know, drinking yeah. that. I'm like, I'll put mine in some water and, you know, dilute it a little bit. And some people say, I'd rather have a nice tea. I know people that put like lots of mix it with different types of teas and put a little honey in it to help it go down well. So that's, that's another option. That's true. I, I love teas as well. You know, if you're not a tea drinker, I definitely want to implore you to experiment with it because I learned that it was less about the tea and more about the experience of having the tea that really drew me in because was, people were making so many great videos of their teas. I actually posted one today. It is. <laughs> Actually, quite ironic. Now, granted, mine was like not that exciting, not compared to what I'm trying to describe. But if you create, I think, a little bit of an experience around these practices, right? So we're talking about utilizing things to heal the body. But part of that, especially with traditional Chinese medicine, is getting your body in a healing state mentally and really being able to calm the nervous system and focus on breath work and do some of these things that condition the body to be in a safe place so that it can actually heal itself. You know, it's, there's a lot of, you know, we could add a lot of things in, but if we don't ever address the climate in which we're absorbing all these inputs, then we're going to come up short over and over again, because we just don't have this this overall, um, like temperature of the body that's, that is conducive to healing, you know, we're still in this very anxious place. So maybe if you're like, okay, this is all kind of new to me, but I think I'm going to start with, you know, an herbal tea. Maybe you do it at the end of the day, just to wind down. That was the first place that I started. And I felt like it really started to give me some breakthrough. Cause I added a little bit of honey. I would turn the lights off, like all the overhead lights, I would put lamps on instead, you know, with like amber bulbs. So it wasn't that bright, put like some essential oils in a diffuser. And all of a sudden I'm, I felt like, okay, my body kind of feels like it can unwind because there's not all of this noise distraction and like stimulus around me. But when you're trying to slam down all these you know, extra supplements, but you've got music on and the TV and your laptops in front of you and your phone's blowing up and the dogs are running through the house and all this stuff. I mean, there's only so many, so much that the adaptogens can do <laughs> to help calm you down sure. because everything around you is screaming at you. And so I think that, you know, think of it as, as kind of a two-pronged approach in one aspect, your body is benefiting from the therapeutic, you know, elements, the compounds that are within the tea, but then you're, you're pairing that with this, this lifestyle and this period of time, this window of your day that allows you to decompress and really upregulate that response in the body that says we're safe. You know, we can heal now because when the body doesn't feel safe, you will not heal. You will stay in fight or flight. Your body will constantly be producing adrenaline and cortisol, and it won't put you in that rest, digest and reproduce phase. Um, so I think that that's like a, an interesting, like, you know, that that's something I will say, I just learned that from experience, but I hope that that if you're, if you're like, I'm not a tea person, I don't, this is kind of, you know, woo woo to me. 
think about it as is less of just one more item that you're just adding to the bucket and more about, I'm going to create a little bit of a, a shift in my day, even if it's for 15 minutes, you know, but I think that it will cre- start to build momentum, that healing momentum that you need. Yes. And I think that like, that's just Chinese medicine in a, in a nutshell. Like, I mean, I think that you, you described it perfectly, but that you ever see it? I do that when an individual has all of these things coming on, it's, I heard this old, um, joke and this side notes and Jim Gaffigan said it. He goes, he goes, I have five children and everybody didn't laugh. He goes, and he goes, how's it having five children? He goes, imagine you're drowning and somebody hands you a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to keep your head above water. Um, but I would say like, right, you just said it. If you can't rest your mind and you say healing won't come, and that's the truth about the cortisol in the fight or flight. And, and I, we talk about the communication of the mind to the organ. And in Chinese medicine, the problem is, is that once we get so bombarded with the TV, with all the stuff that's going on, the toxins in our environment, radiation, everything that's going around, it piles on your nervous system. And people out there go, yeah, my, my nervous system's fried. The, heart, the, the bad part of it, even in Chinese medicine, is that when your organs are all trying to borrow energy from each other to adapt to the problem, Usually you will like, I had so much weight, for example, to your liver. So you're out there, you don't mean to, you're eating, you know, greasy foods, you're drinking too much alcohol, you're doing these things. And the liver gets really bombarded, gets stuffed. And so your brain gets kind of used to that signal. It's like, okay. And so the body goes, well, I'm going to have to borrow energy from another organ because the liver's too tired. So it jumps over and starts robbing another organ, whatever organ that may be. And then your brain starts to not have communication with the organ of healing. Like there's no rest. Like you just said, it's like, I got to adapt to all these problems. And I think it's very important. Like you just said, you have to peel away the external environment. If you can, if there's external things that you can remove, you better because that's just like pulling weight off that organ. And so when they talk about recommunication, a lot of people that do different types of prayer, you know, they pray in a certain way. They have good meditations that actually just help really like clear communication between the brain and the organ. Why? You want your organ and your brain to have communication so that it goes, it's okay to heal. Like, I see you. You're there. We can do this. And I'm with you. If the person's in fight or flight when they come to the office and they literally have a bucket of a box, I'm serious. And you've seen it too. 50 or 60 supplements. And they're like, hi. And the, the best way they actually got better is I put them on five to six different supplements out of 50 or 60. And they're like, well, doesn't he help? It's like, yeah, but there's too much bombardment on your nervous system that you can't even handle these. Chinese medicine is very big about that. They're like, the right combination will lift your energy, your electrical signals. So I'm with you. I think that mindset, um, people say it all the time. It gets cliche, but it's the truth. Like if you don't have communication between your mind, God, the rest of your body, it's going to be very hard for you to heal. So those are, that's one of the biggest things. Like, can you sit still? Can I was asking myself and asking this, I, I told myself like, Molly, can you sit still for five minutes and not have a thought in your head? So I practice like 10 minutes a day and you would be surprised everybody out there. Like within 20 seconds, you're like, nope, I got to think about the next thing. So that's a training ground. That's a big thing. I'm with you about that. Try to get wow. you back. Wow. I'm, I'm actually really impressed about five minutes. I, yeah, 20 seconds would probably be a stretch. For me, I maybe need to, I need to work on that because that's, yeah, that is, I mean, I have a hard time. I love yoga and I even have a hard time, even in yoga, moving my body. You would think like, okay, well, your body can at least be moving. You can turn, you know, you can kind of like detach your mind or just shut your mind down. Nope. Nope. I can be thinking about, you know, my schedule the rest of the day at the same time as I'm doing yoga. 
<laughs> so well, that's exactly what I do too. So it's just it happens. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah, man. Well, that, that, that is, I, I love the energy component too, because you're right. You know, you're, you're, you only have so much, your body only has so much energy that it's working with at any one given time. And it will shunt blood flow and energy away from certain things like digestive efforts. If there are more important things that your body deems necessary to keep you alive in that moment. So if, if, you know, you don't need to be digesting food, if you're, if your brain perceives that you're in a very stressful situation, that's why even eating meals while you're scrolling your phone or trying to catch up on work can be very disruptive to digestive processes. And this can be a, a very hard piece for people to nail down because as we've been talking about, you know, bio-individual approach to health and understanding which foods are for you and which foods may need to come later because we have healing work to do. If you don't have the practices in place that will give you clarity around the biofeedback, the, the really what you're experiencing in your own skin, you really can't trust the feedback, right? Because now we've diluted or polluted, I guess, the algorithm or the formula that we're working with. So we can't really trust the outcome. So do yourself a favor and really set certain practices up. If you want to know, okay, I've got to dial my nutrition in. And I understand that there's a lot of health benefit to a lot of different foods, but for me to really get my arms around this and experience healing, I have to work with my own bodies and the feedback, the way that really the way that I feel as I'm going through my day, but I've got to limit the distractions. And I also have to evaluate the inputs of my day to make sure that I'm actually responding and receiving to the right signals. So that's right. I love the algorithm. It is true. It's um, to to the point where whenever we set up our day, it's uh, when we try to mainly take our, basically our neurology and take our higher mind and try to uh, tell ourselves like, well, I'm going to try to do all these things in my day, but never set myself up for success. That's a hard row to, to try to, but my dad said row to hoe. Remember the old farming, um, (laughs) but I'm with you. I think that when you think about it in simple ways, like a plus B equals C to actually have healing and come, come easily. You really have to try to find all those outside sources and then try to take things out and then try to implement some small steps. And I'm with you. And this is what I find. This is a great cap on it, like how I feel about like this whole uh, a shedding of all these, all this weight. It's really crazy that when we take small steps and implement them and make a habit of them, you'll often find, and I have found in my life, that the organs start to work better and your cravings change. And that's a different thing. Like for mm-hmm. the people that love good, you know, fatty foods and stuff and rich creamy stuff. But I find this with patients and even in my own life. You start cleaning out the liver, taking the weight off, getting rid of the TV when you're you know, eating food, restore some electricity to your stomach and your liver while you're eating, stop being distracted, and you'll start craving less things that are not the best for you. Why? Because your, your body then has clear communication, and there really there's more signal to your brain going, if you eat that, that's not going to be good. So that's why people start, when they get better, they always go, I just knew I shouldn't have ate that. Something's inside. I went to the store, I shouldn't have ate that. I was like, why? Because you're communicating with your organs. And so I'm with wow. you. I think that the more peace you have, the more you set yourself up for that and that um, that strength, your taste will change. And I think that people just change all the time. They're like, I used to love that, but now I'm really craving foods that have blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
you can tell it's trying to, they're trying to feed their own genetics now. And so I'm with you. Take those steps to like find those distract. And it's easy. Like, don't look at your phone. Don't watch TV when you do this. When you eat, make sure you stay hydrated and don't try to have a phone conversation when you're eating either or something like that, you know, be, be at peace. So I'm with you on that. That's a good point. Yeah. I love, I, I just, I mean, this is to me, it's, it's so simple, but it could be so hard because this is not something that is so black and white and that, you know, a lot of times we just want to be told, well, we just need to do this at this time or consume this and this amount. That's so much easier to wrap our heads around creating, you know, this clarity, clearing out space in your mind and within your home, you know, building an atmosphere that really is conducive to the lifestyle practices that you value, that can be really hard to do. And that, that takes a lot of work, especially when your habits and lifestyle, like you may just be looking at your agenda thinking there's no possible way I can clear anything out. Like I I can't take anything off my plate. These are all responsibilities I have. There's nothing I can do about it, but there are some ways that you can even start to shift your mindset in thinking about it, because even that alone will have such an impact as to how you walk through your day, you know? So if you stop even looking at it as just one obligation after another, and you start nurturing and having this perspective of your body as something that you really do care for and that you value. Now, all of a sudden, everything that you walk through has a little bit of a different feel to it. It's not just a burden, but it's more of a privilege and you get to enjoy that process. And then you get to see how does it really make me feel? So I think that like we totally, I went somewhere where I did not think it was going to go, but I, I know it went to I like, it's great. It's great. It's, it's really important. I think that's like, when we talk about getting, gaining energy, it's like talk about superfoods, how super risky be energy, but you also think about like these things that you can d- implement these small steps and see good fruits. I always think that whenever in life, I, I think how we build our battery power up, we see our whole full day and we're thinking some, some experts say, you have a whole list of stuff to do. And I know you have a lot of obligations, but you've got to get like the top three or top four. And those are the things you get done and that's it. But then you think, no, I've got a job and I got to do this. And I've got 10 things I got to get done today. Then I always usually tell, well, remember, it's a fair exchange of energy. It's like having an iPhone. If you run it to 10% or 9%, you're going to get, something's going to give. So you have to find your day where you go, that's why I do this. I'll have like some superfoods, nutrient stuff I take and I'll go, I had to take it this part of the day, little part of the day, last part. And some people, you know, as well as I do go, man, I don't even want to take the time. I forgot to take my pills. I'm like, you are literally taking your, your phone and letting that thing run all day. And you think, well, I've got enough energy to run seven different apps on my phone at the same time. No, you don't. So either you, you get, you have a day where you're like, I can cut everything away and only do three things, or you better bump up listen to your body, you know, and see like, what are the things I need to do to help encourage my strength? So it's a lot. I get it. I'm not like saying it's easy. It's not easy, but this, it did take a different route, but I like this podcast. It's great. I know. I, this conversation has been super encouraging for me too, because that it is, it's just a constant reminder because it's not easy to slow down. It's easy to ramp up, you know, and that can be, that can be energizing. So I think that's where it can be even more, a little bit more confusing because sometimes when we're busy, we feel better because it, it tends to keep us, you know, we're, we're less focused on the things that are going wrong or things that we don't like about ourselves or maybe our own health problems. They're, it's their distractions, you know, they just, they eat up the hours of our day being still and quiet. All of a sudden that opens a whole level of vulnerability that 
you don't want to touch a lot of things. There's, we all have them, you know, and, and it's hard to really reconcile with some of the stuff that we know is there because it's painful. Like nobody wants to, nobody wants to feel like they're opening up wounds. And a lot of times those quiet spaces, that's what happens, but it's, it's emotionally and mentally healthy to start to create space for that. Otherwise you will run yourself ragged and it will manifest into physical symptoms and you will experience breakdown. And there's only so much that your nutrition is going to do for you. You know, it may give you a little bit of a band-aid. It might be able to keep things moving, keep the wheels on the bus. But at the end of the day, if you don't have all the pieces in place, something will suffer. So I think that this is, this is a really important point to drive home. I think as we kind of, you know, bring this thing into the train station, um, Maybe we can round this out because the way I was thinking that we could, you know, kind of close is talking about some of the kind of your staples that you feel like are the best for longevity and just overall vitality. If you had to pick a couple of things, but maybe we add a little piece to that question and say, you know, what are, you know, the two things that you do as daily practices, but also two or three um, nutritives or, you know, herbals or superfoods that you incorporate personally on a regular basis that you feel like make you feel your best? I mean, for for me, uh, my body type, I say one of the is berries and there's different ones like blackberries, blueberries, some raspberries, but I'm saying high amounts of antioxidants for my body type because that lime so bad literally feed me. So I'll put that in a very low sugar like smoothie, but I put high amounts in there and I'm telling you, it makes me feel really energized. And, you know, the bioavailability uh, for my body, like whenever I take those type of berries really like shoot me up really, really heavily. Um, and then the next one I like to do is like, you know, we talk about like ginger shots. Um, I like to do like doing a ginger shot with a little bit like they say a little cayenne in there. But I say the ginger for me is another. So those are two superfoods that have helped with longevity. I'm telling you because antioxidants, right? What makes you keep looking younger is your body's ability to like fight off oxygen species, which is radical oxygen species. So I'd say any type of barrier, any type of vegetable or that has a lot of antioxidants. Um, I love ginger because ginger is so healing to the digestive tract. And I had uh, stomach issues when I was a kid, I had a lot of yeast issues when I was a kid. So I use ginger and sometimes I use aloe, but those things heal my gut and let me absorb foods so much better and digest better. So those are the two for me, like whenever you say like, what are your two? Super? Ginger and berries for me. Um, I think my daily practices that I've really incorporated have helped me quite a bit. We take mindfulness. I'm saying that like I really have practiced 10 mornings in the, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. And this is a really ridiculous, but it, sound, it, it does work is when you sit there and you breathe and many people may think this sounds funny, but it is uh, when you breathe and you try to clear your mind and you're going to have other thoughts come in your head. I know that, but what they say with like even her uh, Dr. Um, Herbert. Oh my goodness. I can't remember his name, but he wrote a book called the relaxation method. But he was talking about um, that when you, you actually like let your pelvic bowl muscles and all like around your, you know, they say people that are anal retentive. If you practice and release your anus, like you just let it relax, you actually can increase your parasympathetic tone, your relaxation, you're forced to do it because you relax. That's what you do when you have a bowel movement. So 10 minutes in the morning, you sit there and you literally, you know, go to the restroom before you do this. <laughs> The rest of your work. But sit there and, tend and relax that and you'll feel energy. I'm telling you, electricity flow down your legs, up and down your legs because you're not holding on. If you can do that enough, just say five minutes, you'll start to experience what parasympathetic feels like. 
Wow. The next part of the day, you're going to go into sympathetic tone. You know that as well as I do. You're going to feel it and you're going to go like, and watch in the day. This is other practice. In the middle of the day, I have little checkpoints. I'm like, am I letting my pelvic bowl muscles relax? And most never. And I'm like, relax them. And then that's a, that's a daily practice for me. Now, I, I mean, that sounds, uh, you know, no, it's just easy, but I'm telling you, try it. Like I love, and, I, and my other daily practice is water. I'm telling you, nobody drinks enough water. So I say water throughout your day. You know, they say half your body weight now. is true. Drink your water. So I think those are my two daily practices. And I think that um, core stabilization, I think that whenever, whenever we have high output of stress days, I don't try to work my body to the bone, but another daily practice is amino acids. I do amino acids or proteins in the middle of the day because this is what happens, catabolism. Anytime you and I are stressed and we get into fight or flight and you're running around with the kid, you're doing it, but your body will start eating away at your muscles. Just fact, you're going to eat your muscles away because your body needs energy. So I say, you know, get you a nice electrolyte or a good amino acid drink, get it in there, pound it down. So your body starts eating the amino acids instead of your muscles. So those are my three practices. Wow. And we could have just done a whole podcast on those three and we may have to do that again. I'll do the one about the uh, anal retention. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that one specifically, what is it called? Pelvic? Uh, Pelvic bowl relaxation, but you can go, it's um, doctor. It's the relaxation uh, method. Let me look here on my phone. Hold on. It's a really good book. It's an old book, um, but I'm sorry guys. I'm doing, but I got to let you guys know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Dr. Herbert Benson, Dr. Herbert Benson. We'll put it in the show notes. It's really cool. It's an old book. You can get it for like 15 bucks, but he talks about like certain things, gratitude, relate, releasing stuff, breathing through stuff. But also Dr. Joe Dispenza, he has a lot of stuff about relaxation too, about his notations too. I don't, I just say certain th- aspects are cool. Like the way they talk about releasing pelvic bowl and just opening up. We should, um, if you listen to this podcast and you do this, we should create a hashtag, hashtag pelvic bowl relaxation and, and then tag us and we'll, we'll all celebrate it with you because yeah. But again, like, I mean, I'm not even making light. I'm kind of making light, but funny. I mean, like it's an age old, you know, therapy that, you know, it's like, this is not a part of Western culture. So to me, it's so fascinating because it, 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 there's so much usefulness, but this is never something that's talked about, taught, practiced in our homes. We don't grow up seeing our parents do this. So, you know, as an adult, I'm thinking like, whoa, well, this is just wild to me. But now I'm like, I think, feel like I need to be doing this. So you know, another one, before we go, I'm just saying another one, they say practice gargling because whenever you, when you practice gargling, when you soften your palate, when you drink or eat is when you go into parasympathetic. So they tell people to practice gargling. So if you want to increase your parasympathetics, do the relaxation and every morning gargle for almost four to five, you can, don't do it that long. It's going to take but a minute or two just to, just to soften the palate. So you increase your parasympathetic vagus tone, kind of different things like that, you know? I'm learning so much right now. This is incredible. Okay, so gargling, pelvic bowl relaxation, <laughs> amino acids in the middle of the day. That's a really good strategy right yeah. there because I do think you're right. You know, a lot of times we just get mowing through our day and things just only pick up steam as they go. So replenishing, giving your body something to work with, you know, towards the middle to later part of the day is so important. So that's great. Be great. I mean, 
I, we covered a lot of terrain here today, but wow, that was, I hope that everybody listening got some great takeaways. I hope that you feel encouraged. I hope you feel like you're not alone that we're, you know, we all struggle with some of these things, but it's important we have conversations about them because if we're not talking about it and we're not actively trying to expose ourselves to practices and conversations that really will generate behavior and action change, right? Like we, we need to have this accountability. So this is your accountability for all of the, uh, <laughs> all of the mindfulness practices that we could probably all be improving upon. Um, but Dr. Motley, what a treat it always is to be sharing the podcast with you and have this conversation. Thank you, Courtney, so much. It was fun. It's fun. I hope everybody liked it and we got some good info from it. It's great. Thank you. Check out the show notes. We'll put in some of the details about the book that you mentioned. Um, And also if this podcast has been helpful to you in any way, make sure you share it with friends. Tag us on Instagram. We're at the Ancient Health Institute. We would love to know if any of this is useful and it's helpful to you. So if you're making a smoothie or you're cooking in your kitchen with superfoods, take a picture of it and tag us in it. We would love to share it with everyone. We want to see what you're doing. You're a part of our community and our family. And we want to know that we're serving you and that you're improving and that your health is experiencing new levels of optimization. So thank you for being a part of this and we'll see you on the next episode. See you guys.